In a world where a man loves movies and loves lists and keeps a list of his 100 favorite movies for over 30 years, what if he made his wife watch those movies in order? And what if he made her talk about it on a podcast? Would she like them? Would she hate them? Can this marriage possibly survive this podcast? Find out what will happen in a world called Craig's List. Carla, uh, can I can I show you something? Uh huh. I was uh, I was out in our yard, and uh, you know that giant tree that we have that has that little little hollow in it. Uh huh. I was uh, I noticed there was a little ribbon tied to it, and I, I looked, and these little figurines were in the tree in our yard. These little, these little soap figurines, and and this one clearly looks like me, and this one looks like you. Who the fuck's the creep that's putting stuff in our tree? <laughs> I mean, they're they're beautiful, you know, hand carved soap creep. figurines. Who's taking time to carve our faces into soap? Do you think it's Benny? <laughs> You've totally lost your mind with this opening. <laughs> I also wasn't responding because you usually just talk to yourself for 30 seconds or so. I, I mean, I was involving you right away. I, I was know, pulling was you, confusing. pulling you into it. <laughs> you don't think there's a Boo Radley in our neighborhood that's, uh, that's taking a shine to us and is leaving us little gifts? God, I hope not. <laughs> I mean, everybody wants a Boo Radley in their neighborhood, I right? I don't think that's true. <laughs> <laughs> just uh, a, uh, a simple hearted, simple minded, uh, kind person who can save you from stabbings <laughs> and, uh, leave little gifts for you. And I think, you can leave uh, him alone with your children for Right. I think that hours. the Boo Radley in this movie, um, like a week later got really creepy and annoying for Atticus. And he was like, <laughs> kids, we have to move. I think that's exactly what happened. Well, we'll get to that. Uh, well, what is this movie that we're talking about, by the way? Hey, uh, welcome to Craigslist. I'm Craig Kikowski. I'm Carla. And that's my wife over there. Uh, if you're uh, looking at your right speaker. Or I'm, I'm just a, a person. <laughs> I'm just a lady. She's just a person Not lady. Not just known as your wife. Yeah. No, that's true. But you also are my wife. Yes, exactly. Uh, did I say just my wife? That's no. just my wife that's over just there. My wife. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! And uh, today we're covering my seventieth, seventieth favorite movie. Birthday. <laughs> birthday. <laughs> Why are you saying birthday? I'm just kidding. <laughs> Is there a movie called Birthday? No, 70th Birthday. Oh, oh, there's the joke. You're only 58. Oh, I'm not even close to 58. What, what the fuck are you talking about? We shouldn't be doing this right after I wake up. <laughs> You've been up for a while. What do you consider right after you wake up? Uh, three hours. Okay. So you need three hours to just kind of gradually work your way into your day. I'm on my second cup of coffee. Okay. Well, that's good. Uh, I am less than 50 years old. This movie is number 70 <laughs> on my list. It's a 1962 film by Robert Mulligan entitled To Kill a Mockingbird. And it, of course, is based on the Pulitzer Prize winning novel by Harper Lee, To Kill a Mockingbird. 
perhaps the great American novel, Carla. Perhaps. Have you read it? I have read the novel. Hasn't everyone? Didn't everyone have to read it in high school at some no, point? No, I didn't have to read it. You didn't have to read To Kill a Mockingbird. No. Is this because you went to a Catholic school and the subject matter was too controversial, do you think? I don't. I think, honestly, that I didn't have to read it because I think at my high school, we we read books. We read like A Prayer for Owen Meany. Okay. <laughs> which is probably way more controversial, right? I don't know what the content of that is. Um, I don't remember either. Uh, but we read things that weren't on a typical high school reading list. Okay. Um, because I was in an honors English class. Hmm. <laughs> but they didn't have to pass Catholic muster? No. Okay. No, we also read, uh, 1984. Wow. Um, I'm reading Brave that now. Brave New World. I've never read Brave New World. Boy, you're way up on me. Yeah. So, but then I did miss out on some pretty obvious stuff like To Kill a Mockingbird. So you've never read it? Well, I did. Okay. Later on in my 20s. Okay. I want to say I was probably like 24. Had you seen the movie? I had not. Okay. Although maybe I did when I was a kid and I just don't remember because my mom, like I said on previous podcasts, my mom watched a lot of black and white films back when AMC showed... uh, Classic movies. <laughs> yeah, when it was American movie classics yeah. rather than uh, re-showing Wolverine over and over. Or and, Mad Men. And Mad Men. Um, so I might have seen it, but I didn't really remember. So anyways, I was 24 and I actually made a list of books that I was supposed to have read and didn't and went back and read a bunch of them. Didn't even know who the author was because I remember going to the bookstore and being like, I need to kill a mockingbird. Who's the author? And the guy thinking I was a total asshole. And I wanted to be like, hey, I read <laughs> Brave New World in 1984. Who's the author of those? I don't remember. <laughs> of course I know. I'm not a dummy. 1984 is? Orwell. And Brave New World? Huxley? Yeah. See? There you go. It, every time you test me, I rise to the occasion. <laughs> and To Kill a Mockingbird is? Harper Lee. Okay. Now I know. I never forgot after that day in the bookstore. What did the guy say? I was so ashamed. He was like, are you serious? Are you serious? Yeah. It was actually, I'll tell you exactly where it was. Cause I was, I went, uh, I was taking class at UCB and I went the to the upright that, citizens brigade, the upright citizens brigade. And I went to that bullshit secondhand bookstore. Oh yeah. They're very, very snobby. They're there. so snotty. Counterpoint. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Although I've bought a lot and I still continue to support that store. <laughs> they're not the friendliest or most helpful people there. There's been actually I was just in there like two months ago looking for the feminine mystique. Mm-hmm. Uh, Who's the I, author? Uh, I don't know. I can't remember. Betty Friedan. Yeah, that is that's it. Um, which you I bought. Didn't there. know that the feminine mystique. Can you shut up for a second Betty and let me Friedan? finish what I'm saying? You keep interrupting me. Oh, I forgot what I was saying. Never mind. I bought the feminine mystique there probably around the same time that I bought To Kill a Mockingbird when I was 24. Okay. Didn't end up reading it ever. Gave it away. And then a couple months ago, I was like, I, I think I really want to read that. And I went back there to buy it and they didn't have any more copies. Oh. And I thought, this is so weird that 13 years later, I'm back in your bookstore looking for the same book. <laughs> but anyways, you guys should still buy from them, even though I just gave their <laughs> customer service a bad review. While you're killing in, killing time, waiting in line at the UCB, yeah. uh, stop by this used bookstore. Are they still, they're still there? Yeah, they sell records too. Okay. DVDs? I don't know. <laughs> I wasn't paying attention to that part. Um, so what was my point? 
I read the book in my 20s. What did you think of it? I thought it was amazing. Mm-hmm. I thought it was all the things that everybody thinks about it, that it was moving. Um, yeah. I think there's some problems with it, with okay. the story overall, which we'll get into. Okay. Uh, yeah, To Kill a Mockingbird, written by Harper Lee. Uh, I believe it was published in 1959 or 1960. The only novel she ever wrote. Though they, right before, right after she died, they came out with her first book, which is really a go right tell. Before she died. Right before like she died. Like a year before she died. Go tell a watchman. Yes. And it was basically a first draft of To Kill a Mockingbird. But it's a very different story. It's of her. Did you read it? No. I didn't either, but I was reading about it. <laughs> um, and it actually is Scout in her 20s having lived in New York city, coming home to Alabama to visit. Okay. And so it takes place later on, even though it was written before to kill a mockingbird, this was the first draft of to killing mockingbird. And her publisher was like, you know what? We're really interested more in scout as a kid. And so she went and re rewrote it. But the thing about go tell a watchman is that Atticus Finch is a racist. <laughs> Did you know that? <laughs> yes. Yes. I read that. Is he called Atticus Finch in that book as well? Uh, I don't know because I didn't read it, but okay. the char- her father character, I believe it is Atticus. Yeah. Um, is she has a lot of, that's what the whole book is about is she comes home to her hometown and after having lived in the city realizes that her longtime boyfriend and her father, her adored father are racists, <laughs> <laughs> which is a totally different yeah story. So there's the argument for a good editor who can help you refocus <laughs> the point of your book. Uh, so the difference is uh, a immortal classic that is uh, a standard of American literature and something that was a first draft of that, that contains a racist character. But you know, there is a lot of, um, and I guess this is one of the thoughts that I have about it. Should I get into this now? Well, uh, let me, uh, let me tell our audience a little bit about the background. Okay. Uh, this is kind of semi autobiographical by Harper Lee and, uh, based on her childhood growing up in Alabama with a lawyer father, uh, in the book, it revolves around two kids, Scout and Jim and their father, Atticus Finch, uh, who is a local lawyer called upon to defend a black man accused of rape named Tom Robinson. And so the movie kind of alternates between the children's lives, going to school, um, their small town in Alabama, uh, meeting the boy next door, Dill, who was based on Harper Lee's own best friend growing up, Truman Capote. Who would have saw that one coming? It seems so weird. <laughs> it, it, it is strange. Yeah. Though if you see the film Capote, you can see the character of Harper Lee played by Catherine Keener, right? Mm-hmm. In that one and Sandra Bullock in the other one. <laughs> Yes, that's right. There were two Capote movies, two right? Two competing Capote the movies. The other one is with Toby Jones. Who looks who exactly. Who is yeah. Truman Capote yeah. and did a fantastic job. Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, who looks nothing like Truman Capote, but won the Oscar for the role. And, of course, did a fantastic job mm-hmm. because he's PSH. Uh, but Harper Lee accompanied Truman Capote when he was doing the research for In Cold Blood. Right. So that's both of those movies kind of cover that same territory, right? I feel like the other one, the not Philip Seymour Hoffman one, is maybe covers a little more of his life. No, I think it's less time. I think it's like over a specific. Okay. Like 
I can't remember. What am I talking about? It just covers in cold blood. Maybe. Okay. Uh, so that's a little bit of the, uh, the story of To Kill a Mockingbird, both the book. I feel so cranky today. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I was so pissed at you for making me watch this movie. (laughs) Well, uh, it's on the list. So, I mean, you. I know, but it's such a sad movie. Okay. And I knew it. I had a really hard time watching it this weekend. This week. Sure. Well, I mean, it's uh, it's a great, uh, serious subject. It's very moving, and uh, it, I mean, it's supposed to be moving. I know you're just not, you're not in the mood for a sad movie. I'm just not. This is the problem that I have with this whole process. Is that even like uh, just I know how great this movie is because I've seen it and I've read the book. Like I've already made myself do these things. <laughs> <laughs> And you so, feel like this is a once-in-a-lifetime thing. You're yeah. supposed to, at some point in your life, watch and read To Kill a Mockingbird, and then you're done with it. Exactly. Like, I don't want to revisit certain things that just break my heart into a million pieces. <laughs> and this is one of them. And so, you know, leading up to it, I know how good of a film it is. So I know it's not going to be an experience where you're making me watch a crazy, like, old-timey French film <laughs> that I'm bored to tears with. <laughs> like, I know this... I know To Kill a Mockingbird is a great movie, but I also know that it's really tough to watch. And so anyways, we watched it in two chunks. We watched an hour the other morning, at which point I was like, afterwards, I was like, I can't do any more today. And I walked away (laughs) sobbing. (laughs) And I said, that was chunk number one. We're just going to have to release this late this week because it's just too much for me. And I have to be a I had to function that day and go to work and teach <laughs> comedic improv. And then this morning, watching wa- the rest, I was like, can't we just watch more girl boss episodes? <laughs> uh, so anyways. So we, we finished chunk number two. Chunk number two this, this morning. morning. Did you have a favorite chunk? Chunk from no. the Goonies? <laughs> no. <laughs> chunk from the Goonies. <laughs> Uh, and then, and then you were like, well, we'll tape later today. And I'm like, no, let's do it. Damn it. <laughs> let's just get this over with. Okay. Carla. So with the- that's where I'm at emotionally <laughs> listeners. I'm super cranky. <laughs> Carla with the rip the bandaid off theory of podcasting. Exactly. <laughs> like, let's just get fucking through it. Yes. Well, uh, this movie won three Oscars, I believe, including for Best Actor for Gregory Peck, who <sighs> plays Atticus Finch. I'm so in love with Gregory Peck. <laughs> I really am. And just watching this reminded me how much I love him. And it made me actually want to go watch Roman Holiday, which I might do this week. That's a great movie. It is a great movie. Not on, not on the list. <laughs> it's on my list. I love that movie. Really? Yeah. He's so dreamy and just, he's just a fantastic, fantastic, sure. A uh, fantastic actor. A fantastic. A fantastic. A fantastic. Yes. He, he's a fantastic. Fantacticer. Oh, God. Oof, sorry, guys. <laughs> this is going to be a tough one. Um, anyways. But uh, a deserving win for Best yes, Actor for 100%. Mr. Peck. And in the AFI poll of uh, number one movie heroes, Atticus Finch came in at number one wow. as the top American movie hero of Who's all time. Who's number two? Indiana Jones. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I'd have Jones to look at good one. He would be a good one. I'd have to look at that uh, that list. So Atticus Finch, I guess, 
perhaps the most beloved character in film history. Yeah. He's uh, kind of the best guy that ever walked the earth, <laughs> which is one of the things that I think is tricky about the story because, and this is kind of going back to what I was saying a few minutes ago, as much as I love Atticus Finch uh, and when he's on screen or when you're reading about him, you just trust him. He's, he's like that mythical father that everybody wishes they could have. Right. But he is, he's the beginning of the trope of the white savior. <laughs> Yes. And that's problematic for a lot of people. Um, and I was reading some things online that I thought were interesting, which one I'll read to you in a little bit here. Uh, so it's, con- it's conflicting. It's like, this is one of the best characters ever written because he is so, such a good person. But how realistic is that? And also, um, how unfair is that? Did you read the Roger Ebert review? Of I did not. Mockingbird? Uh, this might have been, they might have done it for the Oprah Book Club. Is that correct? At some point? I think they did. It, uh, Oprah says it's, you know, I think it's one of Oprah's favorite books, if I remember correctly. And if it's one of Oprah's favorites, then, then it's one of mine. Then it's one of America's favorites. <laughs> um, you know, I get that Oprah chai latte. You know? <laughs> what? <laughs> you didn't know that there's an Oprah chai latte at Starbucks? At least there was for a while. I don't know what you're talking about. And it has some additional flavoring to it. And then a portion of it goes to some Oprah charity or goes uh, directly into Oprah's pocket. I'm not sure how it works. That's but nice. Starbucks, if you're still doing the Oprah chai latte, please send a buttload of them over to our house right now. <laughs> I bet they, they're not. I bet this was a thing in like 2003. Okay. <laughs> Just leave them in the hollow of our oak tree. Oh my God. Where Boo Radley leaves his gifts. So what did Roger Ebert say? Well, uh, I, th- this was in the early 2000s. He went back and reviewed the, the film and he, uh, always had this great movie series that he would do. And when I saw on the IMDb that there was an Ebert review, I'm like, oh, it must have been part of his great movie series. And then I clicked on it and it was a two and a half star review. Whoa. Uh, which, uh, you know, out of four, which I was like, oh, Ebert really didn't like To Kill a Mockingbird that much or he gave it kind of a middling review. And he was taking it to task for exactly that thing of the white savior, uh, mentality. Mm. And, and he kind of ended it on, cause there's a scene in which, uh, there's a lynch mob that's come to the jail to, uh, to kill Tom Robinson. Yeah. Uh, of all the, the kind of racist guys in the town and Atticus is kind of, uh, standing up against them. And then the kids kind of interrupt and, uh, and Scout shames one of the men because he's the father of a, a poor boy that she goes to school with and he'd come over to, uh, her house. And, uh, and Ebert wrote, uh, wouldn't it be nice to think that a little girl could stop a lynch mob in 1930s? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So. And that's the, that's the conflict here, right? Of watching the film and being very moved by that scene because it is the ideal of like exactly that. Like this little girl who's so innocent and doesn't understand the racial, um, problems in the world just reaching out to another human being just solely based on the idea of we're all humans <laughs> like yeah. it's so it's such a moving idealistic portrayal but because it is so idealistic it's almost disrespectful to the reality and the horror of the real situations yeah i think ebert felt it was more of a 
fantasy situation of where liberal pieties were in 1962. Right. You know, so it's interesting to watch as that, but doesn't really hold up as reality. Right. But ultimately, uh, you know, he's not a white savior because he does not uh, successfully defend Tom Robinson. He's found guilty. And then uh, Tom is killed while trying to escape. Uh, or you can take trying to escape in quotes. Like it's not clear of uh, whether, yeah. you know, whether something more malevolent happened uh, or not, if they just killed him. Right. Uh, and said it he was sounded, trying to escape. It sounded or not. like something more horrible happened. Yeah. So the idea of a, uh, a black man in custody uh, being wrongly killed by police, unfortunately, is still very much a topic of discussion in 2017, yes. you know. So uh, I don't know that we learned <laughs> that much from this movie. Well, and that's why it's like, do I have to watch this again? <laughs> God damn it. You know, I don't know. I know this is a comedy podcast in theory. <laughs> But this is definitely one of the films where it's like, ugh, I don't know. I've already, I've already done this. I've already seen this. And if it's not really reflective of reality and like showing me or teaching me something that's true to life, I don't want to keep putting myself through it. <laughs> Having said that, it's a fantastic film. <laughs> it's an amazing movie. It's beautifully shot. The cinematography is incredible. It feels very advanced. For, it almost reminds me a little bit of Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, just in how modern it still feels. Yeah. That um, Mike Nichol Nichols made that in 1966. And it's also like similar, like beautiful black and white photography, but just really like real acting and just a huge leap forward for where Hollywood was at the time. Right. Like, yeah, exactly. So it feels, it feels very modern to me watching it, uh, in the sense of how it was shot, not necessarily the story. Um, and then you do have this, you know, at the heart of it, this adorable, hilarious um kid who's just this tomboy scout who like any i think boy or girl can relate to um and her you know kind of rough and tumble and <laughs> yeah you know just uh palling around the neighborhood like i remember spending summers with my friends and like not wearing dresses and climbing trees and skinning my knees and you know, and like those friendships are so important, even though you don't speak to those people anymore. Also, you know, the relationship with her brother, like I have a brother, he's younger than me, but spending summers outside, you know, doing stupid kid stuff. Like it's just so uh, nostalgic in that sense. There's a timelessness yeah. to that. And the idea of like the, the kind of the mythology of your neighborhood right and like the house that you don't go to which yes. is the radley house here and the myths that have kind of grown up uh around it uh like the porch that you you know get dared of like can you be on this porch for 10 seconds or, right. or whatever yeah i totally you know. remember doing stuff like that me too there was absolutely the house where it was like the giant creepy tree outside and you're like oh that old lady lives in there <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to go in there. And then I, for my for my neighbor, my old lady, eventually she invited us in and gave us juice. And then you realize like, oh, she's a human being. <laughs> she's not just a crazy old lady. I don't remember her name. But yeah. Yeah, it's very uh, sweet. 
And there's just a lot going on. I mean, in terms of the complexity of the story. Also, you know, the kids watching the trial and, you know, seeing it through the kids' eyes. You you don't see anything that's not through the kids' eyes, actually. Yeah. I mean, it's basically a child's eye view. Of what's going on. Of what's going on. Yeah. Which I think is a way of uh, kind of getting around the the simpleness of the uh, the race relations mm-hmm. uh, of the story. I definitely read it in ninth grade. So it was my first book I read in high school English. And it is like the perfect age to read it, I think, though it has been challenged a lot in schools because of the subject matter. You know, there's rape. There's the N-word, you know, and, and race relations are a big part of it. So it does seem kind of controversial to assign to a 13-year-old. Mm-hmm. But I think it, it – and reading about the novel, uh, Flannery O'Connor and Carson McCullers, who are kind of the most famous Southern female writers uh, at the time, the book was published, kind of dismissed Harper Lee's work as a children's book. And I guess I didn't really think of it as a children's book, but it kind of is in that it's, it's kind of at the dividing line of a adult novel and a children's book. Right. In a way, because it's kind of written as by Scout looking back on her past, but it's also kind of in the voice of a, of a kid mm-hmm. in the, in a way. Uh, the narr- narration in the movie is very effective. Who's the narrator? Do you know? Kim Stanley. Uh, and she was a famous method actress in the 50s and 60s, and she was much better. She did a lot of the uh, Arthur Miller plays on Broadway, uh, but she kind of had a troubled life and uh, did very few films. She only did five films as an actress in her entire career, two of which she was nominated for Oscars for. What was the other one? Well, not for this. Uh, she did the narration for this. She did a movie called Seance on a Wet Afternoon that she was nominated for in 1964. And then she was out of movies for like 20 years and she was nominated again. She played Frances Farmer's mother in Francis, oh. the Jessica Lange movie. And she was oh, also. She's in, creepy in that movie. She was also in The Right Stuff. Uh, so she kind of made a comeback in the, uh, the 80s. I definitely but, heard of her. Yeah. Did she marry someone famous? I think she might have. I yeah. Think maybe there was a, you must remember this shout out to another podcast that yeah. she was. Karina Longworth's podcast, yeah, yeah, she, which is great. Was, um, I don't know if she was the topic or if she just appeared in another story. Well, they definitely covered Francis, right? Yes. On You Must Remember This. So yeah. maybe, maybe they talked about the movie and, uh, and Kim Stanley and that. But yeah, her narration in this movie is, is fantastic. It's so great. It, it really made me cry. <laughs> uh, the music by Elmer Bernstein Incredible. is one of the most famous uh, soundtracks yeah. uh, for a movie. And the main title theme is just like instantly. Oh, yeah. The, you guys, if you go back and watch this, if you can take it, uh, pay a special attention to the opening credit sequence. It feels, um, again, very modern. Uh, I can't recall any classic film that does it in this way. It feels like the guy who did seven. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you have a Carlos quote to that effect. Oh, really? But yeah. It, there was a lot of thought put into the, the uh, title sequence. And it's kind of like the box of toys of the stuff that Boo Radley leaves for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Which Boo- is great because I forgot about that whole plot point. And so when I'm watching the opening sequence, I was just like, oh, this is these are weird toys that these kids are playing with. <laughs> like I forgot that it had anything to do with Boo Radley. Yeah. So I, I definitely – and I think they showed us the movie in ninth grade as well. So that's probably the first time that I saw it, which is just a, a classic 
uh, high school time waster, just like, hey, there's a movie of this, you know, that's right. two or three classes where we can break up this movie and uh, not have to have class this day and uh, show it to the kids. Uh, so I've probably seen this movie upwards of 10 or 11 oh, times wow. at, at this point. Yeah, I've seen it many times over the years. I think I've seen it twice now. Uh, and definitely the character of Boo Radley, who is their recluse neighbor who kind of uh, – is this mythological figure in their mind, uh, but they don't actually meet him till the end of the movie. Uh, that feels like that would not fly in 2017. No. <laughs> the idea of a, a simple minded, uh, mute, creepy neighbor who leaves toys for your children. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that that would work anymore. Uh, which is kind of sad. <laughs> you want to boo, Ra- boo Radley in your life? Well, I don't know. Again, it's like that idealism of what we should be. Yeah. Which is kind to each other. <laughs> so I think, and, and think of it as a children's book, it is kind of like a uh, a starter kit to learn about racism in a way. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. It, and so for Scout and Jim, it's kind of like their first real lesson in uh, the wrongs and the evils Did of this the win world. Best picture? It didn't win Best Picture. It lost to Lawrence of Arabia. Ugh. <laughs> Have you seen Lawrence of Arabia? Uh, we had to watch it in high school years ago, but I fell asleep. It's a long, long movie. Is it on your list? It's not on the list. Oh, good. It's four hours long. Ha ha. Uh, I think it's pretty great, though. I mean, it's... I'll probably go back and watch it one day, one of these days. It's definitely some of the most beautiful imagery in film history. Mm-hmm. But uh, by the time hour three rolls around, I've completely forgotten, like, what's happening and who is he fighting right. <laughs> for here and right. and everything. I think the first half it's of it Peter is much... Peter O'Toole? Yeah. Peter O'Toole, Omar Sharif, Alec oh, Guinness. Sharif, like, right? it's a lot of, lot of great actors Was of the time. Was that pre-Funny Girl? Yes. Omar Sharif. Yes. I think it was Omar Sharif's debut okay. was Lawrence of Arabia. He's handsome. <laughs> sure is. Yeah. <laughs> handsome like Gregory Peck handsome? Different handsome. Okay. Yeah. I. So many lawyers apparently have gotten into the profession uh, finding inspiration from Atticus Finch, a fictional character. Aww. And then... They hated it. <laughs> they were like, why did they watch that movie? Uh, Gregory Peck, also apparently a guy who like put his money where his mouth is, uh, that Atticus Finch was very similar to who he was in real life. And he was one of Hollywood's most famous liberals and like fought for liberal causes for his entire career. Uh, civil rights. Um, I believe he was the head of, uh, SAG for a while as well. So he fought for union rights. He was anti, uh, nuclear power, women's rights. So like he was somebody who anti women's rights. He was anti women's rights. So mission accomplished, right, Greg? And, uh, <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> and, uh, he became good friends with Mary Badham, who played uh, Scout in this movie. He was friends with her until he died. And he was friends with Brock Peters as well, who played Tom Robinson. And I guess Brock Peters uh, delivered the eulogy at Gregory Peck's funeral. Really? Aww. And uh, 
I kind of talked about in Gone with the Wind how bad the children's performances were in that. And this movie is the polar opposite of like the oh kids God, are, so are really good in it. And Mary Batten was nominated for uh, supporting actress at nine years old for this movie. She's great. And she lost to another child actress. Hold on. Hold on. Okay. What year was this? 62. 1962. Thinking, 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 thinking. I, I don't know. She lost to Patty Duke. Who played Miracle Worker? The Miracle Worker. Well, she played the kid who the miracle was worked on. Helen. Helen Keller. Keller. Who was also a child in Alabama, oddly enough. Uh, but Patty Duke won at 14 for, for that movie. And, uh, other than one, like, cameo appearance that Mary Badham had in 2005, she pretty much was out of acting by 1966. And uh the young man who plays Jim, her brother, his name is Philip Alford. He's he, wonderful. He too. hasn't acted in anything since nineteen seventy. So what? uh Robert Mulligan is the director of this, and I guess he did a lot of single takes for a lot of these scenes because the the kids just they couldn't get better than the first take. So he wanted like their most natural and real performance possible. Wow. Also, apparently, Gregory Peck delivered that uh, closing argument uh, for Atticus Finch in one take. Oh my gosh! As well. Come on, amazing. Uh, which is like a nine minute long scene. I actually was watching this time to see if it plays out in one take and it doesn't like there are a couple cutaways. There's a cutaway to Tom. There's a cutaway to the, uh, the balcony where all the black folks in town are watching the, the trial. Um, but apparently he only did that in one take. Wow. Let's get into some Carla's quotes. She's feeling her oats and Craig's taking notes. Whatever they are, it's Carla's quotes. There weren't many. There were not many because Carla was just sitting on the couch. Sobbing. Sobbing for most of this movie. <laughs> oh, God, this music makes me want to cry. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Right away from the beginning. We see the uh, the opening titles, uh, crayon etchings, uh, the children's box full of stuff. And Carla said, I feel like there's a lot of stuff that a little kid could swallow. <laughs> And then always and choke. swallow and choke is what I meant. Swallow and choke. Yeah. Like you don't give that stuff to a little choking kid. hazards. Yeah. Like yeah. there were like pointy things. The standard has changed since 1932. Don't, don't give pointy things to yeah. a kid that they can put in their mouth. Uh, feels like there's always a quote that involves you putting Benny on your lap and talking to him during the opening titles. And this time, so then it was, why do we have to say it again? Well, because it's different every time. According, you change it according to the movie. Okay. This time you said to Benny, are you my scout? I should have named you Scout. <laughs> you also said those main titles are like seven quality. Oh, well. <laughs> it's too bad that I repeat myself. Well, you're very consistent in your thoughts. <laughs> uh, when they meet their next door neighbor kid, Dill, uh, based on Truman Capote, Carla said, hey, Truman Capote, what are you doing down there? <laughs> You also, I'm not sure what this is in reaction to, but you said that Jim's a punk. Oh, I don't know. He was probably giving Scout a hard time about something. <laughs> um, question. When this came out, was Truman Capote famous? Yeah, he sure was. Yeah. So then they cast a little kid based on who they thought he would look like as a little kid. Probably. Yeah. You think he looks like he could be him? Well, yeah, because the kid's yeah. like, he talks like this. <laughs> not that Truman Capote did, but he has a high voice, <clears throat> a nasally voice. You said, I want Gregory Peck to be my dad. I like my dad, too. <laughs> but yeah, Gregory Peck, man. 
In what ways is your dad kind of an Atticus Finch type? Dad's a good guy. He's a good guy. Yeah. Yeah. Except for that part about voting for Trump. <laughs> I don't think Atticus Finch would vote for Trump. When they're afraid of the Radley house, he said, why are kids such a pain in the ass? Because <laughs> <laughs> well, you just feel bad because they're like taunting Boo Radley. Yeah. And you're just like, God damn it, kids, grow up. <laughs> I seem, you know, the courtroom scenes are most of what I remember from this film, despite having seen it multiple times. For some reason, I imagine that the trial is more like broken up over the course it's of the one movie. one day. It's just one day. It's a one day trial and it's about a half hour of the movie, yeah. like about three fourths of the way through. Um, so the first hour is you, you slowly kind of learn about Atticus working this trial and everything in like little bits and pieces, but it's mostly just kind of the kids daily lives. Uh, but then there's a long scene of scouts first day at school and how excited they are at breakfast and everything. They keep running in and out of the screen door and Carla's like, my gosh, kids chill the fuck out. (laughs) I can't have kids. (laughs) Uh, you know what scene I love is the scene And I guess this is one of the few scenes where the kids actually aren't in the room. But I guess what you're supposed to think is that they can hear, like Jim can hear what's going on. But he just puts Scout and Jim to bed. And he goes and he sits out on the porch. And he hears Scout asking Jim. It's Jim, right? J-E-M. J-E-M. Yeah, short for Jeremy. I keep saying Jim. uh, J-I-M. But it's J-E-M. You hear Scout asking Jim about their mother and like if she was pretty and if she looked like Scout. And you just – but you don't see the kids' faces. Like you just see Gregory Peck sitting on the porch listening to the kids ask each other. And the way – don't interrupt me. I can tell you're trying to interrupt me. (laughs) And his face is so heartbreaking. You can just see how – painful it is for him to hear his kids talk about their dead mother oh it killed me it's so good it's It's one of my favorite scenes in the movie it's so good yeah i mean he's amazing and then just in the courtroom scenes later watching him listen like he's just a great listener yeah uh which is really the mark of good acting acting is all about listening all right meryl streep calm down Uh, but, but it's amazing how it seems to be a recurring theme of the performances that have really moved me is those actors that really like convey empathy and compassion and basic decency. (sighs) So, you know, it feels like Henry Fonda and 12 Angry Men, Morgan Freeman in Seven and Unforgiven, Robin Williams in Dead Poet Society. Like all these guys, you're just so moved by. I'm moved by those guys. These men. And their decency. And their decency. Where are the women? <laughs> Where are the women? I got asked this week online how many of my films passed the Bechdel test. Uh, probably like two. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I can go through. And see how many times there's at least two female characters. They both have names and they have a scene where they talk to, uh, talk to each other about something other than men, right? Well, you've read Fun Home and you saw, you paid to see, to see it. So you, you do support Bechdel. <laughs> I support <laughs> Alison Bechdel. Now, whether that's the same as passing the Bechdel test, I don't know, but she's, she's got my money. Yeah. <laughs> you got my money, Bechdel. Get off my back. Um, don't you think the scene in Unforgiven where the hookers are talking about uh, <laughs> the, the price of a lay? <laughs> I oh, guess they're kind of talking about God. men there indirectly, but that counts, right? I know you're you making think- a joke, but that sounded so crass. <laughs> you don't think Unforgiven passes the Bechdel test? 
dear God. Uh, Scout's first day of school, she gets in a couple fights. And Carla said, Scout's having a tough day. <laughs> she beats up all the boys at school. It's pretty fun. <laughs> so there, there's kind of a recurring theme of the, the slaughter of innocents. Uh, which is what the title means, basically, mm-hmm. to kill a mockingbird. It's a sin to, uh, to kill a mockingbird. Being shoot all the blue jays you want. <laughs> That's what he said. Yeah. Poor blue jays. Uh, so it, it kind of obviously has parallels with both Tom Robinson and Boo Radley, but then yeah. there's another kind of symbolic scene of Atticus having to shoot a rabid dog. Oh, yeah. Uh, and Car- Carla said, I'd keep you even if you had rabies, Mr. Benners. <laughs> And then during the shooting, but that means I was talking to my dog, and I said that I told Benny, even if he had rabies, I would still keep him. Yes, of course. <laughs> As he sits there, <laughs> laying on his back, <laughs> Benny is playing dead right now in the room. Uh, DZ is auditioning to play the dead rabid dog in the movie. You would be great, Benny. Uh, and then during the shooting, he said, "Don't look, Benny. Don't look." <laughs> Then you said it looked like they really shot that dog. It did. The dog, I'm going to take a picture of how Benny's laying right now so you can put it online. Uh, The dog made a noise like, and it, and it like buckled, its feet buckled under it. I don't know how they make that happen unless they hurt that dog. I also don't know why they needed to show the dog being hurt. If they had just had the sound. Sure. It would have, we would have understood it. That's how good animal acting was back then in the so. early I think they 60s heard that dog. like these this is under the studio system these dogs from like they were from the time they were puppies <laughs> were taught how to convincingly play dead i'm going to interrupt your bit by saying i think that dog was really hurt <laughs> No. And I, I am glad that we're talking about it because I want to look it up online. Okay. You think Gregory Peck actually shot the dog? I don't know if they actually shot it, but something happened to that dog where they shot it with a BB gun or something. Okay. Or like they tripped him with a trip wire because that dog's legs buckle under him and he goes, <laughs> like it really hurt. You don't think that's ADR of maybe just nope. a dog yelp? Okay. Okay. Uh, and then maybe one misstep by Elmer Bernstein, the uh, composer, <laughs> uh, because right after the dog scene, suddenly the music like picks up and gets all upbeat. <laughs> and Carla said, why do we need happy music after the dog dies? I don't understand. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, they're looking at him and it's like, because it's supposed to show you, I think that whole scene is just about Atticus, like saving his kids, and then the sheriff or whoever's with him being like, Your dad's the best shot in town. Did you not know that, kids? Yeah. And the kids are like, We didn't know that because he doesn't ever shoot guns. But apparently, Atticus Finch is not only the nicest guy, he's also the best shot in town. <laughs> he's a pacifist, but uh, he will take the shot when he needs to. Right. Yeah. Raby dog. <laughs> Raby dog. <laughs> And the Bengals must have seen this movie at some point, right? What? Because there's a whole walk like an Egyptian scene. Is there? <laughs> yes. There's a scene where Jim is moving his arms sideways and walking sideways. And Scout's like, what are you doing? He's like, walking like an Egyptian. Really? Yes. I that. I think it was when I was like, I'm done for today. Uh, that's so interesting. So wait a second, because when I was a kid and I did that, it was all because of the Bengals song. So what would make people in the thirties know how an Egyptian moved? 
Well, I guess it's a parody of uh, what the hieroglyphics looked like. Of like that's oh, how they drew people okay. back then with their yeah. their arms bent and everything. And that's- and I guess that's where the Bengals got it from. Do the Bengals write that song? Are we off topic? <laughs> <laughs> We're slightly off topic, but I think. <laughs> This is a really interesting sidebar that is going to produce so much fruit. Uh, I'm not sure. Oh, I feel like you should have known that answer. Because they did a lot of covers. Yeah. They didn't write a lot of their own songs. Okay. Next. (laughs) Walk like an Egyptian. Uh, That's all I got for Carlos Quotes. I don't think you said anything this morning. Watching no, because I movie. was pissed that we were watching it. <laughs> there is one thing in our living room that we, you can look at right now that is prominently featured in the movie. Um, the dolls' heads. <laughs> sure, we have severed dolls' heads. I do. And I have <laughs> severed dolls' heads in a bowl on top of the record player. <laughs> now who's creepy, Carla? <laughs> exactly. No, nope, uh, not what I was thinking of. Um, the picture of the astronaut with the dinosaurs. I don't see where that plays into To Kill a Mockingbird. Uh, I don't know. Tell me. The shift We have robe. a shift robe. We have a shift robe. <laughs> shift robe. A shift robe, of course, a portmanteau of a chiffonier and a wardrobe. I always thought that was called an armoire. Or armoire. Armoire. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's half wardrobe. I, you can ha- hang things up in it, which we don't, and it's got a chest of drawers. Yeah, we have one in our kitchen because we don't have much uh, space, and so we keep all of our linens in it. Uh, but I'd be happy to bust off that chiff robe for you <laughs> whenever, yeah, whenever you'd like. That was so weird and sad. Ugh, you guys, I'm sad. I'm also laying down while we're doing this. <laughs> uh. And... I'm not sure if this was actually <laughs> on the movie or if we, I was just hearing a lot of bird calls outside. Uh, but I thought that when Atticus is talking to Tom Robinson while he's on the witness stand, that you can hear a bird call in the background. Oh, really? Uh, which would be heavy handed, but an interesting, uh, metaphor to lay on there. But I don't know if that's actually on the film soundtrack or if it was actually bird call that I was hearing from outside at our own house. Huh? I didn't hear it. I didn't notice it. Okay. I bet it was from outside. Uh, I do think for a, a, a film in 1962 that, uh, even the small roles are really well cast in this. Agreed. And there's some very memorable acting, like, uh, like the sheriff has a nice speech at the end when he's talking about, uh, who stabbed and killed, uh, Bob Yule. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the guy who plays Bob Yule is really scary. Really scary. And creepy. Uh, I think the woman who plays Mayella, his daughter, is really good as well. I think the kids are great. And then Brock Peters, who plays Tom Robinson, is so good. Yeah. Uh, in his one main scene. Um, and I guess, uh, he, you know, you can see him break down crying in the, in the scene and trying to hold it back, which is always really powerful. And I guess he had not cried in rehearsal and, uh, Gregory Peck had to look past him and not look him in the eye when doing that scene or he was going to cry wow. as well. I guess, but it's... You're uh, crying right now saying this. I am a, I am a little... fucking pussy. 
<laughs> Carla, you want to give this movie a letter grade? I'm sorry I curse so much. <laughs> um, I'm going to give it an A+. Plus. A+. Plus. It's a fantastic movie. I can't believe it's not in your top ten. <laughs> <laughs> I'm never watching it again, though. <laughs> Last time in your life? Okay. Last time in my life. I've seen it. Is this... Uh, there are problems, admitted problems with this well, the, story. I guess the datedness of it, and I, I think it probably does... We didn't even talk about the trope of uh, the woman, the victim, being raped, lying about <laughs> who yeah. raped her. Like, that. that is also a problematic, uh, stereotypical thing that might not have been a stereotypical thing at the time, but that we've seen thousands of times since then. Sure. It, it, you know, that's not been great for uh, victims... In real life, yes. Trope. Uh, this movie is about the the black man who was wrongfully accused, so that kind of trumps. Uh, uh, and then again, <laughs> I'm choosing my words poorly. <laughs> that uh, that takes precedence uh, over the the rights of the uh, the female victim, and but, yeah. uh, clearly who has been abused by her father. Yes, uh, physically and probably sexually. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, and I mean, that's not even, that's just something that they kind of show and she just looks like an asshole because of it. Um, but that's a whole other thing. That's a whole other movie. So these are flaw, <sighs> flaws in the basic story that can be kind of attributed to when it was written. Yeah. And I, you know, obviously I haven't gone back and made a chart of how many of these types of stories were told or when they started, but I'm, I feel like, you know, this is probably because it was so successful, both the, the book and the film that so many of those tropes that we see now are because of it. So mm. it can be blamed for it <laughs> to a certain extent. Having said that, it's a very moving story. The acting is fantastic. The cinematography is incredible. Uh, I was moved. I was feeling something and we'll think about it for, for several weeks, I'm sure. Wow. Um, it's just a really good movie from start to finish. I already knew that going into it and I'm never going to watch it again. <laughs> Some things you don't need to watch again, like Schindler's List. <clears throat> well, <laughs> <laughs> you just might have to, Carla. You just I'm gonna, might. I'm going to skip that one. <laughs> you just might have to. Well, you will you only get two more skips, so okay, cho- I'll choose, hold on to it for choose them. Seen it already. Choose them wisely. Don't need to see it again. <laughs> Is this the best movie on my list so far? I uh Are you still prefer Dog Day Afternoon? I think I just prefer Dog Day Afternoon mm-hmm. in terms of just how unique it is. But this is a an incredible movie. Okay. What did I give Dog Day? An A+. Plus? Well, you may not have said plus, but I I know that it's one of your Top three movies. Yeah, so. this is just To Kill a Mockingbird. Just a really well made film. I think uh, number seventy is a little low. Uh, it's definitely the best movie that we've covered so far. Uh, even better than Toy Story three. Wow. I would say, which I think was my favorite so far. Uh, so I think you'll see it moving way up uh, when we do it again. I think in the past I've had it higher, and for yeah. some reason had moved it down. I was uh, surprised recently, but they, it seems a little low. Yeah. Uh. How Is it okay a, that I gave it an A plus? Sure. What does the A plus stand for, by the way? Um, Atticus Finch. <laughs> Atticus uh, Finch portrayal uh, questionable but admirable. <laughs> That's a very complex A plus. Then okay. 
So maybe it's like an A, but okay. it's just a really great. I mean, if you haven't seen this movie, you guys, you got to see this movie. All right. You want to do a little khaki theater? Oh, God, I'm so sad, though. Well, let's pick a happy scene from the movie, then. Okay. Uh, who do you want to play? Everybody's so sad in it. I'll play Scout. Okay. I'll play Atticus. Okay. What are we doing? Uh, You're well, going to try to get me to wear a dress for okay. school. Okay. Does that work? Yes. Well, Atticus, I don't want to wear a dress. It's not comfortable. Now, Scout, it's the first day of school. It's really good. <laughs> and a young lady has to wear a dress. But Atticus, Jim don't have to wear no dress. Jim can wear his overalls. Well, the Scout, Jim is a boy. and uh... Well, that's not very fair. I mean, why do we have to assign gender so early in life like i'm just exploring and figuring out how i feel about myself have you been reading the feminine mystique by betty, betty for dan oh I you know the author night before i go to bed and it's less about gender identity and more about not cooking in the kitchen and not having to clean all the time well you are just preternaturally smart for a six-year-old well thank you atticus it is because uh you are my daddy and i have your lineage <laughs> now let's get this these this pretty lace collar all buttoned up Ugh, lace poo poo now don't use that kind of language poo, poo. now that is not becoming of a young lady scout atticus look boo radley's looking through the window right now what hi boo what the hi boo 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 looks through my window all okay, the time okay now Okay, now, Mr. Arthur, uh, you need to stay away from my kids. Just, uh. See you later, Boo. Okay, don't See talk. You That's not don't cool. Don't forget to Just come don't... by and tuck me in. Please, no, he's not welcome to do that. He's my friend. No, he's not your friend. He's, he is. He's he a, saved us. He's a creepy guy who lives <laughs> down the street. I don't know. He leaves us presents. All he kinds does? Of presents. Yeah. Okay, you need Soap. To... Soap? All right. You need to tell me when that's happening because that's not cool. All right? Well, Daddy, you're Atticus. Who's yes, Daddy? thank you. That was close. Who's who? Uh, what was I going to say? I got distracted by naming you the wrong thing. <laughs> uh, Atticus, you're the one who always says uh, you don't know what it's like to be a person unless you walk a mile in their shoes. I say that all the time. So Sometimes just... I say inside their own skin, which is doubly creepy. Right. I forgot my point. <laughs> I'm not wearing a dress. <laughs> All right, fine. Just wear your ham costume to school again. I can't wait to beat the shit out of some little boys at school today. You go, girl. <laughs> scene. There you go. That was the funniest scene in the movie. Yeah, the funniest scene in the movie. That's from the sequel. I when a watchman calls. <laughs> when a watchman calls. The watchman's coming from inside the house. <laughs> Check on the baby. Oh. Uh, well, Carla, thank you. Uh, I'm glad you liked and appreciated the movie. I'm sorry to make you sad. I'm sorry that I'm so cranky on this episode. I haven't been this cranky since we watched that other sad, sad movie. What was that? The Canadian one. Oh, sure. The Sweet Hereafter. That was also like two days after the election, too. Yeah, it was, that was a tough one. Maybe skip that one, you guys. Is that, <laughs> is that fair? <laughs> no, listen to The Sweet Hereafter. That uh, is probably, uh, that's up there of our more serious episodes. 
Yeah. I would say just this because is number of number two, maybe. All right. Sorry, guys. I'm sorry. I have feelings. I'm not just a happy person all the time. You know, when you watch a hundred movies, some of them are going to be some saddies. Yeah. And this is a saddie, but it's also, uh, it's moving and great and, and, and I just love Gregory. I just love him. Let's watch Roman Holiday. <laughs> I love him so much. Well, <sighs> I wish that I had another Gregory Peck movie coming up next on the list. Uh, and this movie is maybe a little sad too, but also, uh, kind of moving, I think. This is the only German movie on the list, Carla. Oh boy. And this came out in 1988. It's directed by Wim Wenders. And, uh, it's about. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, if you could see, folks, <laughs> Craigslisters, if you could see the eye roll that is taking place right now, like, uh, Carla nearly broke her neck rolling her eyes. <laughs> uh, it stars Bruno Gans and Peter Falk. Is Bruno Gans, um, the guy from When Harry Met Sally? <laughs> no, you're thinking of Bruno Kirby. <laughs> Not that many people have that name. From City Slickers? Yeah. From City Slickers. <laughs> no. No. Yeah. No, Bruno Kirby, not in Wings of Desire. Wings of Desire. Have you seen Wings of nope, Desire? Don't know what it's about. Never seen it. Okay. Have but you, Peter Falk is in it? Peter Falk is in it. How is he in a German movie? Well, I won't tell you more about what his role is, but uh, have you seen City of Angels with Meg Ryan and yes. Nicolas Cage? This is a re- That is a remake of Wings of Desire. Oh, I really like City of Angels. It's about an angel who wants to be human because he falls in love with a human woman. So does Peter Falk play the other angel who's his pal? I can't tell you I bet who he Pe- does. I cannot tell you who Wait, Peter Falk. Was Peter Falk in the remake? Peter Falk plays Peter Falk in Wings of Desire. Oh, that's confusing. Okay. <laughs> well, okay. and we're going to have our good friend Nancy Hayden on to mm-hmm. talk about the movie next week. Uh, hopefully she's been able to find a copy of Wings <laughs> of Desire out there because I don't think it's easy to, uh, to acquire Wings, Wings of, of Desire. Desire. Oh, <laughs> worst. Uh, okay. Okay. I'm you- excited about this one. This sounds interesting. I like City of Angels. The Peter Falk element is fascinating. Okay. And I love Nancy. Okay. Well, please tune in next week and we'll be discussing Vings of Desire. Oh boy, I roll. The list is an absolute good. The list is life. <laughs>